Hello, I'm Bishop Shane Parker, and this is ADO on the Move for October 31st, 2020. weeks ago I had the pleasure of visiting St. Paul's Church in Canada, and after the service I spent some time talking to Colin McKenzie, who volunteers time to take care of their audiovisual ministry, which has taken on a very different turn during the pandemic. I asked him about how the ministry of sound and sight over the internet devolved at St. Paul's Church and whether he could give some advice to others who might be taking up the challenge and broadcasting their services to the World Wide Web. So Colin, talk to me about your ministry here at St. Paul's Canada. I mean, I think we were fortunate that there were uh, a series of things in the past that all kind of came together and and really have, I think, made a big difference in the last uh, number of months, but were developed over a period of years. Um, it's this online capacity and things like that. All of the above, yeah. I mean, yeah. online and, and even the AV capabilities in the room. I had become involved with Parish Council and Athletic Communications Ministry and then had gotten involved as a warden here for a couple of years. And... Just fortunately, I think some of the things that were gaps that needed to be sorted out just happened to be things that I I had a background in. And uh, I think like your sermon today, I think that resonated with me as well. I mean, they're his gifts. You know, we we, we need to serve and use them and give them back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even an obligation. It's a I think it's a privilege to do that. So I think I was sort of fortunate where things like the sound system, the AV capabilities. I mean, all of these things just happened to be gaps at that time, and I, I wholeheartedly you know, jumped in and, uh, and helped to get them sorted out. And at the time, of course, nobody was thinking of things like a pandemic, mm-hmm. but... It's just a good thing to do generally for churches to have those enhanced yeah. audiovisual capacities, but all of a sudden, pandemic comes along. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, it comes along, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we, it had had much simpler beginnings. We had a telephone ministry that was uh, hitting capacity. I mean, we, we have a, a fairly large congregation, and it used to be a case where somebody would literally get a phone that was connected into the sound system and dial somebody in a, in a hospital room or at home or wherever they were and, and connect them in so they could listen and obviously that didn't scale particularly well so the the original webcasting capability was put in place to help mitigate that problem mm-hmm. of, uh, interestingly there are parts of the diocese where the phone is the most effective way to communicate still because of uh, inadequate uh, coverage sure yeah yeah and and up until that point I mean it, 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 was it worked certainly fine and it worked as well yeah but I think the for us we had a scale issue of you know how do we you know how do we get this out to more people. And then I think we just found that there was an overwhelming response and benefit. I mean, first of all, because then you can incorporate video, people can see things. Bring people into um, the room in a sense. Yeah, and and really some some very sort of touching comments from folks that felt that they were present as part of the community in a way that they weren't before that. They felt that there were 
maybe participating more. It was a real you know, benefit, certainly up until this year, but then of course the pandemic hit and, and it was a case of, well, we didn't know it, but this is why we have this stuff in place. Yeah. Let's, let, let, let's pull everything together and, uh, and, and go gangbusters. And are there thoughts of keeping this ministry going even when we return to, to the new normal? I, I think we have to. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I think first of all, I mean, certainly it will be a while until there's a new normal anyway. But I think with, just like with, with, with work and business, I think people are adjusting to yes. doing video conferences and Zoom sessions and things like that as part of the new normal. I think that will be the case for us as well. And the reality is, is that a younger demographic, this is pretty common and normal anyway. I mean, I've got, I've got two boys, uh, you know, university age and... I know I can get them electronically with a text message <laughs> or far quicker than I can. As you said earlier, for folks who have not been able to be in church, I think we all understand what it feels like now to not be able to be in church. Yeah. And being able to continue that ministry well beyond the pandemic is probably something we all need to think very, very seriously about in our churches. Yeah, and I think it's a, I mean, it's a subtle thing, but we, uh, it's probably something that we were collectively seeing before this year anyway that there's just a just an evolving definition of what community and and church is for people and and whether it's um things in the web or or webcasts or social media or you know any of the above you know there's a there's kind of a broader definition of using the technology to bring people together and and form community so I, i think this is just an extension of that colin what advice would you give a church a parish that may be just getting into some of the uh, things that you're into here at St. Paul's. You've got audio and video and you're streaming and, and recording. So what advice would you give? What should people invest in to get started? What's the most important thing? Uh, number one, we have, just like the telephone ministry conversation, we have a different environment, I think, today than we did even mm-hmm. five years or, or ten years ago, where the ability for people to to watch something or participate from home is much more ubiquitous than it yes. ever was before. Yes. Most people will have some device and an internet connection or something, whereas 10 years ago, maybe that wasn't the case. And there are free services available to be able to do it through you know, the, the YouTubes and Facebooks right. of the world that what might have cost a fair bit of money and required a, you know, a whole complicated AV setup to do, you can do with a mobile phone and a free service yeah. now. So, there, so the, the entry point for the technology is not as high as it once, I, that, as it once was. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I, I would say, number one, look at getting your toe in the water first with, you know, look at YouTube or Facebook. The, the burden of entry is virtually nothing. If you've got a laptop or a mobile phone, you can do it. That's a great entry point and at least allows some preparation and thought and intentionality around, okay, we're doing this over here, and right. then you can build on it from there. Uh, I think the second maybe thing uh, on top of that is once there's a footprint of whatever form, look to, as much as you can, tie it into what you have in the room. So here, for example, I mean, we have a, because we have services that have, you know, musicians and other things with individual miking, so we have maybe a little bit more of an elaborate sound system mm-hmm. set up and we can control it wirelessly and some... Right. But there was something that was purpose designed for this room, mm-hmm. but I think the really, the key for the online services was to connect that in. And f- for most people that are starting up, it really isn't any more complicated than get a cable, <laughs> plug, plug it into your sound system and plug it into the side right. of the laptop. It could be done very, very 
easily and cheaply. But then the, the, the quality of what's going out over the internet then just goes up astronomically from just having an open microphone in a room. Right. So, so dip, dip into the free services first, tie it into to what you have in the room uh, second. And then I think the, the, the areas that, that require more care and feeding will probably become obvious from there. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, um, you know, bringing in visuals and slides, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, we have remote readers that will come in, you know, over Zoom. And so we've, we, we've looked at how to sort of connect all of these sure. things from there, but it really started at those right. initial two. So really places. baby steps are okay when you get into this. Start with where you are and small investment in some basic stuff and then build from there with what you yeah. have. In the and, 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 and reach out to, you know, I mean, I, I happily will, will help have a discussion with anybody and, and there's probably a bunch more of me that, that have parishes that have, that have done this as well. So reach out to somebody else. We're Get that conversation going. Learn, typically learn more than another. happy to help and, yeah. and sometimes a, a half hour or an hour conversation of, oh, I didn't realize it was that can simple. can save a lot of hours of frustration. Yeah, yeah can save maybe weeks of frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, thank you so much for your time this morning and, and for making the service here at St. Paul's uh, available to the World Wide Web. Thank you so much. Oh, a pleasure. Thanks. now from St. Paul's, Canada, is Be Thou My Vision, with David Santry on piano and Emily Wall playing violin and singing. This was recorded by Colin McKenzie on October 18th, 2020. Thank you.
accounting department has worked steadily throughout the pandemic, as they always do, to keep our payroll on track and to deal with the many, many dimensions of our financial ministry as a diocesan church with extensive community ministries and parish ministries. Someone who's actually been coming into our temporary offices in the cathedral is Bill Gilbert, who, along with Sandra Purdy, has kept things on track for us during these pandemic days. I went up to the Christopher Room in the cathedral, where Bill occupies a cubicle in the southwest corner, to talk to him about his work, but also to let you know a little bit more about the other side of Bill Gilbert. Hi, Bill. Hello, Bishop. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Good to see you. Bill, I know that you've been someone who's actually here all the time, pretty much, since the pandemic started, making sure payroll's done and everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a quite a time, I must say. I'm sure everybody's had their routines disrupted, and uh, yeah. to some extent, I've been lucky because mine has sort of continued. Yes, lucky in some ways, Bill, but I know you're bearing a tremendous workload to make sure everyone continues to get paid and yeah. other aspects of our financial system are kept going, and I'm really grateful to you for that. Well, thank you. And it's uh, yeah. probably lonely up here sometimes. Yeah, I think that the new communication technologies have alleviated that a little bit, yeah. but uh, even an introvert like myself finds they need uh, some human contact. Yeah, for sure. So I'll be glad sure. when this uh, is in yeah. the rearview mirror. Yeah. Bill, you and I have talked many times in the hallways, and uh, we've actually worked together for many years. When did you first start working for the diocese? Yeah, I, I think I started in about January 1992. 92, that's yeah. right. And I worked under uh, Bev Skelton, who was the accountant at the time, and uh, she was a great mentor. Um, I learned uh, the ropes really from the ground up on terms of the financial systems. Yes. At that time, I was half-time for a number of years, and then I eventually got on full-time, which was nice, and uh, it's been a great place to work and uh, mm -hmm. a real journey, working with some great people, and uh, yeah. Now, Bill, I know that when, when you're not up here in the Christopher Room in the southwest corner taking care of everybody's pay, you are often out in the wind. Yeah. So, tell, tell us about that, Bill. Tell us about the other side of yeah. uh, Bill Gilbert. So um, one of the big passions in my life has been uh, wind sports, so uh, windsurfing and kite surfing over the last few years. And I mean, although Ottawa is not necessarily the greatest place in the world to do it, it's a pretty good spot and it offers good conditions, you know, at least six or eight months of the year on the water. And then in the winter with this new kiteboarding, you can do it on the frozen, on the frozen uh, rivers and lakes. So yeah, that's been uh, really good. Yeah. for me as a an outlet <laughs> for sure now i know that you and i often go to the same body of water when the wind is raging and that's like to shame yeah that's right i mean i've been windsurfing there and i'm sure you've been kayaking there for so long i've gotten to know where the reefs are and all the nooks and crannies that are good for windsurfing and yeah it's just one of my favorite spots i think i've been windsurfing there probably since 19 85, 84, 85, and uh, over the years I've seen the water level rise and lower. I'm sure you have too. Yes, it's been sure. uh, really interesting actually, kind of marking the change in the climate by the moods mm -hmm. on the river. And we also talked about how when you're, when you're on your board, and I'm in my kayak, and the wind is wild, and the waves are big, it's an experience of being very centered, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a lot like prayer, you know. I mean, maybe we've had this conversation a little bit. It, for me, the sport is very all-consuming. Um, really, the only thing you think about is navigating uh, in the moment with the forces mm -hmm. at play, whether it's the wind and the water, or for you, the paddling and uh, the water. 
yeah, it really can kind of empty the mind. All the payroll problems and the accounting problems for me, and I'm sure some of your problems probably disappear <laughs> as the water peels off your kayak. Absolutely. Yeah. You're sort of in a place where, on the one hand, it, it's not quite life and death, but you're, you're kind of on the edge a little bit. Yeah. And at the same time, you're deeply centered. Yeah, that's you know, it. It's, it's an interesting combination yeah. of kind of being a bit wild and a bit on the edge and feeling really, really at home in a strange way within yourself. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I mean, that's, I've often thought about that. I, why, do we, why do I enjoy it so much? And, and part of it is the exhilaration, but I think it's the focus, the mm-hmm. emptying the mind, you know, yeah. being it's a Zen or whatever you want yeah. to call it. Like, well, the, uh, the spiritual word relinquish yeah. comes to mind. It's like you, you have to relinquish everything else because you need to be so attached to creation. Eh? Yeah, and, and that's a good way to describe it. I think yeah. that that's the attraction. I think people find it in all kinds of different things yes. in life, but for me, that's uh, what it's been yeah. lately. So, yeah. Now, just so people get uh, completely disabused of the impression you're a quiet accountant here, <laughs> you were involved in the sport of uh, skiing at one point, alpine yeah. skiing, but not just going down the hill in a normal way like like normal people. You were involved in some other things, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, actually that's my pre-diocesan life. At that time I was a university student and a little bit younger even when I started, but uh, I got involved in freestyle skiing, which is sort of like the flipping and moguls. And so that actually led me into the windsurfing ultimately because uh, it wasn't too far from that type of extreme sport to this other mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I coached for a number of years. I got to coaching the Ontario ski team. It actually helped pay, pay my way through university. So in a way, it got me into this accounting role. And right. so as I got a little older, though, I mean, skiing turned into snowboarding, which turned into windsurfing, which turned into kitesurfing. So I still do the skiing, but just <laughs> yeah. not professionally. Yeah. Well, being able to uh, do kitesurfing in the wintertime kind of takes yeah. the place of downhill skiing. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a hill. That's actually a really good sport for Ottawa because yeah. oftentimes you get a big dump of powder and yeah. you can't really use it uh, as it gets groomed on the ski hills or yeah. you can't get up to the ski hill, but there it is lying waiting for you in a field or on the river. I think it's great, Bill, that you, you can take things as they come and you can roll with surprises. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a bad thing for an accountant to yeah. have. I mean, uh, well, on the business side of things here, I mean, it's a complex business. It I really mean, is. You know it very well, obviously, being here so long. And yeah, I mean, our financial statements are, what, like 70 pages long? Mm-hmm. And uh, we have several entities now beyond the, uh, parish the pay fund and the yes. parish ministries. Yes. So... Um, uh, and some of the big projects. Last week, yeah. uh, I was speaking with uh, Archdeacon Catherine Otley, the Bell's Corners project, ultimately comes across your desk, yeah. doesn't it? Things yeah, like exactly. That. I mean, I've had the opportunity to be involved in some of the cornerstone building mm-hmm. projects where 314 Booth, for instance, where the diocese is actually engaged in, in building these affordable housing mm-hmm. units. It's a tremendous uh, experience for me to be involved in it and uh, I think it's it's great work so when we look out to what we do here as a community we can sort of point to that and say we're, we're trying to help what's mm-hmm. happening in housing in this city is unbelievable over yes. the last little while yes really yeah. so we need it well Bill we need you as well and I'm uh, really grateful right. to you yeah. and again I want to say how thankful I am that you have been so steadfast in coming to this office uh, it's not even a, yeah. it's a temporary office uh, to boot and, and, and taking such good care of us yeah. in our diocese. Well, I mean, I'm really grateful. It goes both though. ways. Thank yeah. you. Uh, I okay. mean, my family's uh, long involved with the diocese and uh, I feel sure. grateful to be involved myself. Good. Thanks so much, Bill. Thank Take you. good care. Yeah. And that concludes episode five of season two of ADO on the Move. This podcast is a production of the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa. 
with sound editing by Nicholas Piper, art music by Gordon Johnson, and production assistance by Heidi Fawcett. May the gentle peace of Christ be with you and those you love on earth and in heaven. God bless and talk soon. Thank you.